It's time to give up. Get your ass up. Throw your hands up and say, well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your recovery meeting on the air. Welcome to Sober in the City. Here's your sobriety assistant, Debbie Strand. Do you or someone you care about suffer from untreated alcoholism or addiction? Contact Believe Treatment Center now, 1-855-874-2354, or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center, we understand. I'm Debbie Strand, back with more Sober in the City, talking about how you can work a program of recovery and overcome your addictions, whatever they are. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, smoking, shopping, food addictions. Those are just a few of my favorites. (laughs) Actually, you know, the only one I don't have is the gambling. (laughs) They're all life issues that we experience, whether you're in recovery or not, whether you need recovery or not, we're here to get you help. Call us now, share your opinion, tell me if you stayed sober through the weekend, how you did it, and if you didn't. 800-SOBER-05 and visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple Android devices. You can hear this show and previous shows and share them with your friends. But right now, more about heroin, who's using it, why, how to get sober, and what the media does not know. So how do you know if someone's using heroin? The term is called nodding out for a reason. If they're sitting at the dinner table and suddenly their eyes go half shut, their tongue usually comes out a little. It seems like the lids and the tongue at times, they they seem like they're attached. And next thing you know, they're almost face down in their plate of pasta. They might be using heroin or other opiates. Don't let them tell you that they're just tired. Unless they have narcolepsy, this isn't normal. Watch for track marks, which will look like bruising, mostly on the insides of their arms where it bends at your elbow. It could be on the wrists. It could be back on the hands. It could be on the ankles, other places, but they could have been snorting it too. It's a brown powder. Long sleeves in the summer is a good sign that maybe your kid's shooting up. Spoons missing out of the kitchen. It's used to cook the stuff down to get it, get it ready to shoot in the needles into their arms. Burn marks on the backs of the spoon. Bent handles on the ones that you do get back. They'll have slurred speech. Trust your gut. If you think something's going on with your kid, it is. So what are the signs? How will you know someone's using heroin or pills, which have much of the same effect? We're gonna go to Carrie right away in Delray Beach, Florida. Carrie lives in the epicenter of recovery. There are more recovery houses, detoxes, rehabs, people in recovery in Delray Beach, Florida than anywhere in the world, in the entire world. Now, Los Angeles will give us a good run for their money, but the area is a lot bigger. So I think I think Delray Beach got it. Carrie, thanks for calling into Sober in the City. Tell us about what's going on with heroin. What are you seeing in the community in Delray Beach, Florida? We're seeing people who have jumped off the synthetic uh, opiate addiction at the pain clinics and uh, jumping right to a bag of heroin. Uh, the only problem is some of this heroin is laced with fentanyl, and uh, it's a deadly mixture that is killing a lot of people, unbeknownst to the addicts that uh, are in Delray Beach. So we were just talking about that in the first segment, about there being fentanyl-laced heroin in the New York area. And that's where I've read about it in the media. We talked to somebody else that was in Kentucky, said he's not seeing that there. We talked to a gal over in the west coast of Florida, not seeing that and not seeing too much of heroin, but she's kind of up in the country. And you're seeing the fentanyl-laced heroin showing up in South Florida. Exactly. Yeah, I am... uh... I'm a treatment provider, and I see it uh, coming into my facility time after time. And uh, their their drug of choice has switched over from Roxy's to heroin almost overnight. And 
you know, they're coming up with the track mark that Debbie mentioned. They're coming in, uh, stupid out and, uh, they're coming, at least the ones that do come, come for help. Uh, that's what I'm seeing now. That's the latest trend that they're, they're, they know of friends who have died from this, uh, uh deadly mix of fentanyl. Carrie, why do you think they're switching off the Roxy so hard and, uh, and so fast into the heroin? Is it because it's the lace with the fentanyl and they're getting that much higher? No, it's probably a cost factor. Um, I think the Rockies are going for like $30 a pop, and uh, heroin is a lot cheaper. Um, there was a time in New York in 1985 where they sold very strong heroin, and uh, people would run up to the Bronx to use it um, because of the intense rush that it would give heroin addicts. Um, I, at the time, was one of them. <laughs> so I, I kind of have firsthand experience about that. And uh, um, it's not necessarily down here that's what's going on, but I think it's mainly cost. These kids can't afford $30 a pill. And the reason the pills and the medication has gone so high here in South Florida is because they have actually done a good job of shutting down those pain clinics. Do you believe that? Absolutely. It's a supply and demand issue now. That's why it drives the price up, kind of like our economy in in many ways. But um, these kids are wandering around the street with eight to 10 a day Roxy habits. And where the hell are they going to come up with $270 or $300? So um, there definitely is a cost factor involved. So how much if somebody has a, a pill habit like you've just described, which I think is pretty typical of someone who's been an addict for a year or more. If they're doing the pills for a year or more, that's about, that's about where their habit is, if not greater. How much is that transpiring? If they're spending $230, $250 a day on those pills, what do you think they're going to need a day on heroin? Probably six to eight to 10 bags a day, roughly. Which would be about how much, Carrie? About $100, so it's a lot cheaper. A third of the cost. Well, so now we know why. They're switching to the heroin. What are parents to look for with their kids on heroin? What's the number one signs that you're seeing that parents are going to say, oh, my God, I think my kid's doing heroin? Well, track marks is a big indicator. Um, Many addicts will say, oh, well, I'm just scratching myself there. But you can definitely tell a needle mark. And what happens after continuous needle marks in the same place you're eventually going to get a very dark spot that is not necessarily one needle going in there. Uh, that's one sign. Um, staying out all day and all night, hustling for the drug is another telltale sign. Um, spoons, as I think you mentioned on the introduction, they are usually darkened on the bottom um, because they're heated up to cook up the heroin. Um, a apathetic attitude toward life. Um, there's a lot of signs, but those are probably some of the main ones that parents should look out for. And what do you think a parent should do? Get them into treatment. Don't enable, because if you continue to enable, you might as well buy the coffin. Okay, so um, just I've seen just go up to your kids straight on and go, look, I know you're on drugs, but we're putting you in rehab. That's it. That's the bottom line. No questions asked. No, I'll go tomorrow. If you want housing, dude, or, or young lady. You're going to have to go into rehab because you're not going to do this under my roof, period. No, your, your role as a parent is over 
as soon as the heroin takes over. That's it. You've lost the child, at least temporarily. Oh, my God, Carrie, I've never heard it put that way, but you're absolutely right. Their role as a parent is over and, and they've got to move into uh, the realm of professionals helping them get sober, uh, helping their children get sober. And, you know, the professionals aren't necessarily always in the rehabs. I mean, I see a lot of kids coming through the Believe Treatment Center and in, in here in the Palm Beach area and they're getting sober with them. And I mean, they're getting a lot of help. But there are people who still can go into 12 step programs and get sober. I'm one of them, you know, so there there are other ways ways, but I definitely believe in the the professional help that's surrounding that environment that's safe and protected and provides them a schedule and gives them the different opportunities that they need in order to get their lives back on track, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, if it weren't for NA, I probably would not be around. I went through four years of treatment uh, and then I've been clean and sober coming up on 27 years. So I believe in both. I think you can't really have one without the other, but some people go into the rooms and make it. Um, for me, I needed both. I needed some intense therapy to weed out some of the core issues that I was having, which produced the heroin addiction in the first place. Well, I think it's fortunate today that the people that I'm seeing most of the time in the rehabs, like over at Believe, are in their young 20s and they have such a chance at life and I was almost 40 years old when I got sober and I hear that from so many people and at one point I kind of walked around and went I want 11 years of my life back well these kids coming in there they don't have to have that wish and they don't realize they're like a 20 oh my life's over I don't know what I'm gonna do and I ruined my life I'm like dude <laughs> you got a lot of time to pull out of this you know you're like an airplane that's got a lot of altitude you can recover from this you know me I was get a little closer to the ground <laughs> but I've heard yeah. people in their 70s getting sober and being really happy about it you know right right so um yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because I tell a 19 20 year old um you know when you went to rehab it's not summer camp it, it's your life that's at stake it's not a respite to keep the parents happy it's for the rest of your life and I admire them when they come in this early and they get it. Um, my office manager is 20 years old. She's got two years clean and she's got the rest of her life to live. So I'm glad you bring that up. Debbie. Yeah, it's so important. And it's so important to dress, address it so early in their lives to not go, oh, it's just a phase that they're going through. No, they're going to end up dead. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, many do perish from this disease. That's this th this thing is no joke. Your kid's sitting at the kitchen table and his eyes are half closed and his mouth's hanging open. You need to get help. You need to get help for them right yeah. away. This is really, yeah, really don't serious. Don't 28 days anymore. 28 days is nothing because the first two weeks, they are basically a frozen steak and they're thawing out. Uh, and the last two weeks, they spent trying to get the hell out of there. So there's really no therapy. I definitely would believe in somebody going to therapy and rehab for at least 90 days. You know, I've been sober since 2004 and I still go to therapy. I still go get myself checked on. I still go to meetings. I still work with my sponsor. I still work with other people. I mean, this is a lifelong ongoing process. I mean, we take care of things in our body. Why do we not take care of our brain chemistry? That's right. It is a brain disease. More and more science has proven that your brain gets hijacked and that's where the parental role goes out the window. There's really nothing you can do except get them help in uh, either in the rooms or in the treatment center. 
But that was a really good point that you had, you know, the first couple of weeks. I mean, I know watching them in Believe, they're balled up in a <laughs> they're balled up in the corner for three or four days, you know, just trying yeah. to be able to stay awake and to not be in so much pain. And that's after they've been through detox already. I mean, exactly. com- coming off yeah, of this like, stuff is painful. Exactly. Yeah, it's really, withdrawal is probably the most feared thing a heroin addict wants to face. That's why they continue using. And, you know, to steal a line from the rooms, shame, guilt, and embarrassment is what keeps people out there. They don't want to face up to their problem and, and deal with the issues at hand. Oftentimes, too, I see that they don't want to take responsibility for themselves because you parents out there, hello, have been taking care of the kids and coddling them and not just giving them life skills and setting them up on their feet and saying, you know what, you can do this. You can take care of yourself. You're a big boy. You're a big girl, you know, and you can do this. And they want to continue to do everything for their kids and do better for them than what they had. And it's hurting them. Are you seeing that, too, Carrie? Yeah. Yeah, my unfortunately, my rehab was not a thirty thousand or fifty thousand dollars place. Um, my rehab was bare bones, and you know, I I got it. I mean, the minute I got in there, I got to work, and I haven't stopped working on myself, you know, for the last twenty seven years. And Debbie's right; it's a lifelong struggle that we have to be hyper vigilant about. But I'm seeing a lot of people come in. And they think it's a walk into the park and it's all right, I'll do 28 days and I'll go home and mom will shut up. Well, then they go out and they relapse and some of them die. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely the truth. And I hate to put out, how do you safely relapse? But an addict, especially a heroin and a pill addict, especially if you're using the drugs intravenously, you have got to remember if you go into a program and you're sober for 30 days, you know, you, you sit for two, three weeks over at Believe Treatment Center down in Palm Beach and chill yourself out. Next thing you know, you go back out and you go shoot the same amount that you were doing beforehand. You're going to wake up dead. Exactly. Well, you won't wake up. Exactly. I mean, how many times do you hear that happen, Carrie? Very often, unfortunately. I mean, the Delray's police department informed me about two weeks ago. They have seized a lot more heroin in two months' time than they did of all of last year. So the oh epidemic God. is here. It's knocking at your door. Wow. Unreal. Unreal what's going on. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us at Sober in the City. We sure appreciate you being here today. And um, you said you were opening up a women's halfway house in Boynton Beach, Florida. Would you like to name that? I am. We are calling it Serendipity. Serendipity. I love it. Yeah. Okay. If somebody wants to get hold of Carrie, you can give me a call here at 800 Sober 5 and I'll put you in touch with them. Carrie, thanks again for being here. We're going to go to. Thanks so much, Debbie. My pleasure. We're going to go to Lynn in Crystal River, Florida. It's my Florida day. Welcome to Sober in the City, Lynn. Hey, Debbie. How you doing? Actually, I'm in Clearwater Beach today. Oh, very nice. I'm very familiar with Clearwater <laughs> Beach. I don't I don't think I know Crystal River, but I definitely know Clearwater. So let me ask you. You don't need to know Crystal River. We, I don't need to know. <laughs> Thanks. No. <laughs> okay. Why did you come in Clearwater Beach? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'll keep that in mind. All right. So, Lynn, I'm going to ask you, how do you know if someone's using heroin? Well, I think the sign, um, are you talking about a child or an adult or both? Either or. Okay. Well, I think as a parent, um, you're going to notice signs 
way before you notice the physical signs. I think you're going to notice grades dropping, uh, dreams going out the door, attitudes, um, uh, schedule changes, not able to wake up, not able to go to sleep, becoming rebellious. Um, and if you don't have a strong communication with your child, um, of course, they're never going to admit until you start seeing the physical uh, track marks and so forth, you know, falling asleep at the table. Um, I think you're going to see signs before that. Um, as an adult, um, if you're around a person a lot, uh, you're going to also see the same kind of signs. Uh, if you're a coworker or a relative or a friend, their their personality is going to change. They're not going to be responsible anymore. The, they're going to have money problems. The, they're not going to show up at functions, holidays, things like that. And if they do, they're not going to stay long. Um, there are certain behavior patterns that people have. Um, they go to the bathroom a lot or they suddenly have to leave. Um, and if you're close and you pay attention to people's actions, you would pick up on it. Don't you think like there's this general feeling of disconnect with somebody like, God, we used to be so close. And then all of a sudden oh, they, they've, they've got absolutely. this wall yeah. in front of them, you know? Well, and it depends. I think it depends on how long they've been using, too, because um, if you're using from a young age or addicted to something else prior to the heroin, you don't have any emotion. I mean, you you could be on a three, four, five-year-old level, and so your only emotion that you know is, is anger. Um, you don't really know what love is. You don't know how to grieve. You don't know how, you don't know all these emotions. Um, now, if it, this all of a sudden comes on, yes, I agree. Then they put up their wall, and the things that used to go do, go out to dinner, have fun with the girls, or whatever, they're going to become non-part of. So I think you're definitely going to notice a change in behavior. Right, absolutely. What would you do if you had a coworker that was on heroin, or you suspected um, they were on heroin? I actually kind of am going through that right now with a couple of people. Um, you know, it, it's really hard to say. I would, a lot of situations are different. One of them is an old family friend. His parents are very much an enabler. Um, supposedly, they're, I'm thinking of an intervention. I totally believe in intervention um, because I think it, it's a walking time bomb at this point. I haven't come to a conclusion yet on that one. Uh, the second one I know is addicted to synthetic heroin, and she admits it. And um, What's synthetic heroin? Methadone? Uh, oxycodone and stuff like that. Okay. Vicodin. I mean, it's all, it's all a, it all does the same kind it's of thing. It's all derivatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're going to get that tired effect where they're falling asleep on their plate or whatever. Um, I think, um, yeah, you're not seeing a lot of heroin in the Clearwater area yet. And I think it's because people here, uh, you know, they, they they have cut back on, made some laws on uh, controlling narcotics as far as dispensing them and opiates. However, so they're not as easy to get. They're selling for a higher price. So people are turning to heroin because they can get it cheaper. Uh, people in this area tend to spend money whether they have it or not. So um, you're not quite seeing so much heroin in this area yet, but I think it's coming. Lynn, let me ask you about the celebrity aspect of these drug overdoses. In the first segment, we were talking a lot about Philip Seymour Hoffman that passed away recently. When these celebrities pass away of drug overdoses, how does it make you feel as a former addict that 
every day that you stay alive, you don't get that attention. Oh, that doesn't bother me. Um, what bothers me more than anything is somebody like Anna Nicole Smith and Mike and uh, Michael Jackson have almost become victims. Um, they've been and made a laughing stock. I mean, Anna Nicole Smith was all doped up and overweight, and they made a uh, a show, a reality show. Um, I think it was an embarrassment to her. Um, she didn't have a chance. Lindsay Lohan. I mean, her parents. I think it's the parents need educated, when, especially when you're dealing with a young person like Lindsay Lohan. Her parents are her worst nightmare. She doesn't have a chance. Well, you brought that and up a minute ago. Them. You brought that up a minute ago when you were talking about your uh, friend, uh, or someone that you know that the parents are heavily enabling, and talked about doing Definitely, an intervention. Yeah. I think and the intervention. It would be a family intervention. It would definitely be a family intervention where probably the family needs to be talked to first before you can go to the addict. I mean, as I have conducted interventions, I had to get the family straight first and in agreement of, listen, we cannot put out. They're in denial. They they think they're keeping their little boy safe by letting him live in their basement. And really what all he's doing is holding down mediocre jobs so he could support his habit. And what we cannot do is lay down a consequence for an addict that we do not keep. Because once we relinquish on that uh, consequence that we've laid out for them, they own you and they know it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it'll get worse. So and they'll own you more and more until violence. So what do you think about this celebrity aspect? And, and, I, and I do think it's horrible what they did to Anna Nicole Smith. I think they exploited her illness and it, it may have led to her demise because you can't recover from the shame and the guilt. And so you pour more stuff into your body and, you know, that exactly. that may have uh, uh, lended to and her demise. Them, very easy for them to get. Uh, Michael Jackson the same way, you know, he had those two big cases, child molestation cases, and um, he never was comfortable with his identity. He could have had a heavy level of trauma as a child, which we've, of course, all heard about. Um, so easily uh, addicted, um, not sure of who he is or who he really wants to be, never given a chance. He was very vulnerable to doctors paying attention to him and trying to fix him. And here what they're doing is over-medicating him. Right, and giving him... A pill to to fix the ill, and it kills him. Right, they're giving him anything that he wanted. Certainly they're in line to take money from him, and we're paid well. Absolutely, you know, money talks um, in any world. Uh, if you if you don't have good morals, the thing that was bothering me as people were coming to me about Philip Seymour Hoffman's death here recently was some of the people had to recall what was he in, and you know I named a few things. Oh yeah, yeah, God, he was a good actor, and they'd go through it, and they didn't stop to think about did anybody else die that day, you know? But because of what I do, I'm well aware that there was probably 99 other addicts that died of drug overdoses that day, and I'm like. Really? You didn't even know him. I probably didn't know the other 99 either, but I just think it gets blown out of proportion. I would love to just see a news report about 10 people that stayed sober today, you know, instead of three that died. Well, the media, the media is very narcissistic in general. Um, You know, bad press sells. So they're going to put on um, bad press because it sells. It makes money. And here we go go again with the money thing. Um, Money is money. Now, I consider there's money and then there's dirty money, and the media is full of what I would consider dirty money. 
a bad press tell. I mean, look when Britney Spears was going through all her uh, drama. And uh, now she's back on the Forbes list, and she's doing wonderful. And other than her making the charts and making music, she's not in the media anymore. You don't hear when much she, about her. <laughs> when she, Yeah, when she was failing, she was all over the front of every magazine. She was on the news. She was, you know, it was all about her. And same thing with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, so bad press out. And, and I think sometimes they, uh, celebrities do bad press because, um, it turns around and it gets them in bad press better than no press at all. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> now she only had she only had her one episode with uh, smoking bath salts or whatever it was that she was smoking. But some of the other stuff is maybe bizarre or erotic or. Yeah, but it's getting her. <clears throat> right, but it's getting her the I've attention. Heard I've heard that permanent psychosis can come result from bath salts. They're not sure. I think it's a horrible, terrible, very damaging substance. But my point with Miley Cyrus was there was only the one incident that was brought into the media. And you haven't heard any more about her having drug problems. Maybe some not other yet. issues. I don't know. <laughs> not yet. Right. But she's but, what, 18? I don't know. She's very young, but it, but it is her actions are keeping her relevant in the media was the point. And it doesn't have to be yeah. through really bad drug ridden car crashing no. behavior is Justin Bieber now crossing into that line, trying to get the attention through these different actions. Or is he just He's actually getting into legal trouble? So or, may have or is he problem. or is he possibly just crossing into the line of addiction? I you know, it's hard to say. Um, I would worry quite a bit about Justin's behavior right now if I were his parents. His behavior is erratic. He's had, what, two DUIs? Um, I would definitely, if I were his parents, I'd be very worried. But see, he's going to be surrounded by managers and handlers and all the other people that are going to say, we got this, we're okay, you know, because nobody wants to lose their job. Nobody wants, nobody wants them to slow down. Everybody wants them to keep going dirty money. This thing takes time. I'm sober since, since 2004 and it's still a work in progress for me. My thinking is not always on the level of sobriety that I want it to be. I got to keep working at this thing. How long are you sober, Lynn? Three years. And what is the main thing that you're working on now? What is the main topic of work for you in your sobriety at this time? Um, I make sure that I'm always, um, I keep my connection with God all the time. Um, I speak on Monday nights at a rehab in Clearwater, um, and I use my photography as service work. Now, I have a fractured knee, so I've been kind of set a little bit backwards on that for the last month, but because um, I could barely make it to work. Um, but I keep a real close connection with God, and when I feel myself start to pull away, um, I, I, just, I talk to Him all the time, and I ask Him for His advice. Where do I go from here? And I don't. I make goals for the future, small, short goals, but I don't plan anything or, of course, no expectations, no resentments. And every day to me is a new adventure. I mean, even a bad day isn't a bad day. I don't have bad days. It's not that bad. I've had bad days before. And and as frustrating as some of these can be from time to time, they're really not all that bad as long as I keep my memory open of what a real bad day was. When we come back, more about heroin, who's using it, why, how to get sober, and what the media does not know. 800-SOBER-05. 800-SOBER-05. Sober in the City will be right back 
And just because you don't feel like your life is worth living doesn't necessarily make that the truth. We'll be right back. She hates her job, loves her kids, bored with her husband, tired of the same old list of things to do. So when the to-dos have all been done, she sits down at the kitchen table, rolls herself a fat one. Smoke so sweet, fills the air. She maybe ought to crack a window. All she can do is stare at the paint. That's been appealing off of the walls. A couple of tokes and her troubles don't seem all that tall. You know, life will let you down. Sometimes the only way to get by is to get high. She laughs out loud at who she used to be. The girl who looked down on At Believe Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services, including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand.